We thank you for your goodness and mercy. Father, we thank you for your that grace is with us each and every day. Father, it's God's power in us, Father, to accomplish your will in the earth. So, Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you, Father. 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 Uh, 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 Miss Rosemary, would it be okay if I pray for you? I just sense I need to pray for you today, if that's all right. Thank you, Father. And Miss um, um, Debbie, it's a little unusual, but uh, can I pray for you too? Because you all are both in the kind of the same line of business. And uh, you and Rose, most Rose, yeah, you, Miss Debbie. Uh, we're okay if I pray for you too? Because um, you all, um, sometimes, are the last people that people see on this earth. And you help them at their darkest days and their, their lowest points in this life. And, you know, the grace of God is in your heart to do that. Amen. And you're carriers of that grace to people's lives and to, and to be an assistant to them. People that I'll never see or never know, but the Lord knows them. And uh, you have the ability to carry that grace into their life and to be good to them. Amen. And to help them. And so is that okay if I pray for you all just to encourage in that? Amen. So, Father, we thank you uh, for most Rosemary, Father, and the call of God upon her life to go into help and to assist, Father. And Father, I thank you that your grace is in her to do that job. To not just carry the natural things, Father, and to help them and assist them in their natural lives, Father, but also show them the glory and the grace and the love of God. And Father, she may be the only God that they ever see. She may be the only Jesus they see in this earth. So, Father, I thank you that she carries your love and compassion with her everywhere she goes, Father that she's a blessing to these people, Father. Even at the very end of their lives, Father, they can see a glimpse of heaven because Rosemary shows up. So, Father, I thank you the grace upon her life that she'll go in strength. Father, knowing the words to say, Father, the things to do. And, Father, we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And, Father, for Miss Debbie's ministry, Father, she goes and to assist people. Father, we thank you that you're there with her. Father, you said in your word that you work with us, Father, in everything that we do. Father, I thank you that she goes into a workplace, Father, to lead and to assist, Father, and to show and to direct. Father, your, your grace is there with her to be a blessing of the people, Father, that need help. Father, that she'll have wisdom and insight, supernatural revelation, Father, exactly what to do and how to do it, Father. Who to assign and who to send. And where to go, Father. Father, we thank you. These are not small things, Father. These change people's lives. This help, Father, is a blessing to people. And Father, you're in the business to bless people. And so, Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? We can release the children, right? And so... <laughs> uh, uh,
Chris will have a fun time because they're going to be thinking about Easter eggs and candy and all of that stuff, right? So uh, they'll have fun. We'll, we'll, we look forward to it. And um, usually what we do is the adults will go and hide a few extra uh, places where the kids can't find them. So tomorrow we can come back here and find the good ones, right? And so uh, that's always the plan, right? So praise God. Uh, well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 5. We're going to get started today. So, of course, today is Resurrection uh, Sunday, and, um, you know, it's really, I know uh, Christmas to the world is a lot bigger, um, is a lot, lot bigger holiday, but really for the Lord Jesus and his plan, uh, Easter is, is really the biggest uh, holiday or the, really the biggest event really in all eternity because, uh, you know, everything started fine in Genesis chapter one, right? We went to Genesis chapter two, God created mankind. And they lasted an entire chapter, right? They fell in chapter 3. So you'd hope that they would last a lot longer, you know, chapter 4 or 5 at least. But no, they fell in chapter 3. And from Genesis chapter 3 till, till um, the Lord Jesus came was the plan God was working the plan. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was about 2,000 years from Adam to Moses, about 2,000 years from Moses to Jesus. Uh, and, uh, you know, you think, well, it just took the Lord seven days to create the entire universe. It took him 4,000 years to make it to the earth. Uh, and um, you ever had to get anybody to help you do anything? Uh, it, it always slows it down, uh, or oftentimes it slows it down, doesn't it, right? Sometimes it's faster to do it yourself. Well, the Lord needed mankind to get involved with it because it was the redemption of mankind, so mankind had to be involved with it. It took him seven days to create the universe, 4,000 years to get help of mankind to bring him back into the earth. And that's about right, you know, and it says in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son into the earth. So it took 4,000 years for the Lord Jesus to get here. Uh, and, of course, when he got here, that was just, that's where we celebrate Christmas, when he arrived on the earth. It took him 33 and a half years. took him 30 years to go into the ministry. And then he only ministered for three and a half years. After all of those thousands of years, he only actually ministered for three and a half years. And all of that was setting everything up. Because the end game, the whole end game of the Lord was the plan of redemption. Uh, and, and that's why we're here in Romans chapter 5, because he says... In Romans chapter 5, verse 10, uh, it says, for if, when, it, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. In, the, in, uh, in my estimation, Romans chapter 5, verse 10 is really the kind of summary of all the work that Jesus did. Uh, and it starts out, for if when we were enemies, and that's really uh, such a big verse. Uh, you know, we, of course, we've taught a lot about Romans chapter 5, verse 10 around here. But it says, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. If you think about that whole plan, uh, really, we've got the best, uh, the best program to sell the whole world. If we could ever figure out as a church how to sell it properly, there's nobody who wouldn't get saved, right? A lot of people argue about, you know, they're out there preaching hellfire and damnation, you know, and there is hellfire and damnation. But uh, he said, go into all the world and preach what? The gospel, right? Anybody ever get thrilled about hellfire and damnation? Uh, I mean, it's a real thing, right? And we should avoid it at all costs. But um, he said when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. So, you know, you ever wanted to do something for somebody, but you only want to do something for people that you like and are good, you know, and they're doing good to you, right? Uh, I'm glad we're not in the job of God, right? Because uh, Jesus said, well, right now they all hate me. And even the very people that, that were supposed to be the caretakers of the promises of God, all the Jewish leadership. They hated Jesus, despised him. You know, you got a few uh, straggly fishermen that liked Jesus, 
But as far as the, the, the majority of the leadership in Israel, the ones who are supposed to be looking for the Messiah, the ones who are supposed to be teaching about the Messiah to come and, and waiting for the hope of glory to come into the earth, when he arrived, they're like, well, we don't like him. Uh, Lord, you got to send somebody else. Do a better job next time, Lord, right? You ever told the Lord to do a better job next time? Uh, and so they sent Jesus, the Lord sent Jesus, and he wasn't good enough. You know, when Jesus isn't good enough for you, you, you really got pretty high bar, right? Uh, and that that's, was a problem. Jesus wasn't good enough for uh, the leadership of Israel at the time. So all of these people there, even in the nation of Israel, were the enemies of God. They didn't want God's will. They didn't want God's plan. And it says that when we were enemies. So all of us at, at one point in time of our lives have all been enemies of God. Amen. And, uh, we know the whole plan that the Bible says that uh, for all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. So there's no, no person, no human being that has not failed at least once in their life. Uh, in that failing, and when you, when you fail in life and you choose to rebel against the plan of God, you become an enemy of God. Not on his choice, but our choice, right? It's all about our choices. And he said, when we were enemies. So God didn't wait for us to get all better to send the Lord Jesus, right? He didn't wait till we were good people. He didn't wait till we did so many good things. He, he came at the peak of evil on the earth, right? He came at the fullness of time. And it said, when we were enemies. Uh, and, and that, I mean, that right there, you could spend a lot of time. But he says, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. And uh, we don't have any accountants in here, do we? I know uh, Miss Sue, she's an accountant. Uh, but the word reconcile, the best definition I like for reconcile means to restore fully to favor. You ever try to reconcile your checkbook? Right? And the bank says you got this much money and you say you got this much money. Uh, and, I, you know, I've had family members that, well, the bank took my money from me. You know, they just took they take a dollar, you know, that I'm supposed to every month, every every month out of my checking account. Like, you know, how many regulations that the banks are under, you know, it, uh, you know, the, how they would find it eventually. Right. They're not taking a dollar out of people's uh, checking accounts. You just missed a dollar somewhere. So uh, we reconcile. We bring our check our checkbook back into favor with the bank. Right. We bring those two together. Uh, and they're back together, they're back aligned together. That's word, what the word reconcile means, to restore, restore fully to favor. And so the Lord says right now, uh, it, that's what the verse says, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. Uh, and, and if we could just somehow get the world to hear that, you know, a lot of this fussing and fighting about the church and trying to get people saved, uh, there wouldn't be any fussing and fighting. Because right now, at this point in time, Every single human being on the earth is restored fully to favor with the Lord. There's not a single person not in favor with the Lord. Now, that's on the Lord's side, right? So there's always a God side and a man's side. Does that mean everybody gets to go to heaven? No, everybody doesn't get to go to heaven. But as far as the Lord's concerned, uh, there's no conflict between him and any person in the world. That's what it says, right? When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. So did Jesus die? He died, right? He did what he said. So if he died then every single person has been restored fully to favor. Nobody is out of favor with God. No, nobody can say, well, God doesn't love me. God doesn't like me. Uh, right now, everybody is completely, totally, fully restored to favor. Uh, and so what's left to be done? Well, you know, that's the whole plan of salvation, right? The whole plan of salvation is we have to accept the Lord Jesus. And by us accepting the Lord Jesus, we accept the work that he did. Otherwise, we have to take care of our own problems. Amen. That's really, you know, we're not the, the point of today is not about salvation. I mean, it's all wrapped up to together, but uh, we're all reconciled to God. And as soon as we accept that work, then we become children of God and we are on our way to heaven. If we choose to reject that work, even though it's all paid for, every note's all fully reconciled. If you if 
if any person outside the church goes to the Lord and say, is there any outstanding debts between me and you? No, there are no outstanding debts. Well, what's left? You just have to accept the work that I did for you. Uh, well, I don't want to accept the work that I did for you. Well, then that's, you know, that's not the Lord's problem, right? So the Lord's not sending anybody to hell. People, you know, uh, say, well, how can a loving God do that? A loving God reconciled everybody. A loving God paid for all the sins, right? Every single sin that's ever been, ever been committed. There's not a single sin. In fact, uh, and we've, we've gone through John chapter 14 before about some of that as well, about uh, what's the only sin people are going to miss heaven for? Not accepting Jesus, right? So are there actually any murderers in, in hell? No rapists, no murderers, no, no thieves in hell. There's no bank robbers in hell. There's only people who didn't accept Jesus in hell. Now, they may have done all those things, but that's not why they go to hell, right? I mean, uh, and from the church, how many times people from the pulpit pick one particular sin, right? You know, it used to be smoking, and then it was drinking, and then, you know, then it was homosexuality, and now it's like whatever. I mean, who knows? I mean, they, they're really creative in their, in their sin they come up with every day. Uh, and, and they'll pick one other sin from there. Uh, but that's not the issue. The issue is they've already been right. Every, every bank robber, every smoker, every drinker, every whatever person has already been reconciled to God. They just have to accept the work of the Lord Jesus. He said, for while we were enemies. And that's, so that's when he did it. When the whole earth was his enemy, that's when he reconciled everybody to God and restored the entire earth to favor by the death, death of his son. And then he said, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So the whole plan of redemption was completed at the resurrection. It wasn't completed at the cross, right? We all go to the cross, brother. Who's at the cross right now? Nobody's at the cross, right? So we go to the cross. Where's Jesus? Well, he's not there. He's in heaven, right? Why, why are we going to the cross? I mean, we, we love the work of the cross and the results of the work of the cross, but there's nobody at the cross. So the work was completed by his resurrection, amen? Uh, by, he says, say, by his life when he was raised from the dead. So uh, all of that work com was completed. We celebrate today is the day that Jesus was resurrected. Today is the day that the whole plan of redemption that, that was started in Genesis chapter 3, kicked off for real at the birth of the Lord Jesus, uh, began as far as the, the, uh, all the final uh, loose ends being tied up at the cross, and then the final punctuation of, uh, of uh, redemption was completed at the resurrection. So really, today is the greatest day of humanity that mankind will ever know, that today is, and they don't even know it. You know, the world doesn't know how fortunate they are, how blessed they are because of today, that, that while they were enemies, Jesus died for their sins and then was raised from the dead so that he could complete all of the work. Uh, and, so, uh, and so today is, is Easter. And so we want to talk a little bit about just resurrection itself. You know, what is resurrection? And, and there's a difference between resurrection and being raised from the dead. So we know the stories, right? Old Testament, they were people that raised from the dead. You know, the, the, uh, the woman's son, you know, was raised from the dead by the prophet. Uh, you had the man that was thrown in the pit with Elisha's body. He was raised from the dead. Other people were raised from the dead in the Old Testament. And then we get to the New Testament, the ministry of Jesus. Many people were raised from the dead, right? Most famous one was probably Lazarus, which, which is kind of funny because after Lazarus was raised from the dead, then everybody started coming even more to Jesus, right? He was raised from the dead in John chapter 11. Uh, and the leadership of, of the Jews didn't like it. And so they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have to kill Lazarus too, which is really dumb because you think, well, he just got raised from the dead, right? So, so you're going to go and kill somebody who just got raised from the dead. You don't think Jesus could do that twice in a row? Or, I mean, you know, it, it's, uh, uh, you know, 
send, uh, we used to do uh, jail ministry, and they had this old kind of ratty uh, podium that, that was up there. And, and on the podium, uh, they had scrawled uh, these words, that sin will make you stupid. Uh, it's not really a Bible verse, but, uh, uh, but it's true, right? Uh, people that are in sin, uh, they, they, uh, sometimes they're not really bright. Uh, and so they were going to kill Lazarus a second time, I guess. Uh, so being raised from the dead happened a lot of times. But nobody had been resurrected. And so the difference between being raised from the dead and being resurrected is when Jesus was resurrected, uh, he got his body. And when we get resurrected, we'll get a brand new body. So the difference between being raised from the dead, uh, when Lazarus was raised from the dead, he got the exact same body he had, and it was still subject to death. It was going to live the rest of his life on this earth. And then sometime as, uh, when he was older, he ended up uh, finishing his natural life on this earth and went back to the earth. And then his spirit went, uh, at that point in time, his spirit probably would have went to heaven because uh, he died surely after the cross. And so, uh, so being raised from the dead, you still get your kind of old body. But being resurrected, you get a brand new body. Uh, and so that's an upgrade, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, you'll still know who you are. You'll still look at yourself. In fact, the stories uh, that we hear about people that go to heaven, you know, they'll see a family member and, and they typically will look like something, you know, at their kind of a peak of, peak of their age, you know. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm 57 years old, so I still haven't reached my peak yet. So we'll see what I look like when I get to heaven, right? <laughs> but whatever that is, you will find out. Uh, and so, so when you get resurrected, uh, the whole plan of, of resurrection, we're going to find out, you know, why, why all was Jesus resurrected? Why did he have to be resurrected from the dead? Because he could have just died uh, and left his body there and gone on to heaven, right? Uh, we know, uh, and we're not going to go through everything. I've got a whole message, uh, just what happened from the time of the cross till, till Jesus sat down on the right hand of the Father. So a lot of things happened, right? Uh, but we know that when Jesus died on the cross, uh, that his spirit left his body, right? His body was still hanging on a tree. They put his body in a tomb, but he wasn't there, right? Uh, he was actually descended into the place of the damned, right? He went to hell for three days and three nights. Uh, and he suffered for us uh, spiritually for three days and three nights in the realm of the spirit. Uh, and you think about that, uh, that uh, if you go back to the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew chapter 26, remember Jesus uh, was praying and he, and he sweat great drops of blood. And he was under so much emotional turmoil that, that it caused the very blood vessels in, in, his, uh, in, uh, in his face to burst and cause him to sweat drops of blood. That's how much emotional trauma he was under facing the cross. But, but what was the problem with going to the cross? Was he scared of getting hurt? Was he scared of the pain that he was going to suffer? Was he concerned about the shame of sitting there naked in front of all of creation? That, that wasn't the issue uh, because... Peter, the, the story with Peter, when he was crucified later on in his life, he said, I'm unworthy to be crucified like my master. Crucify me upside down. And the history tells us that Peter was crucified upside down. So he went to it as a brave person. So surely with Jesus was at least as brave as uh, Peter was, right? So he wasn't afraid of the cross as far as the physical anguish. You know, the Old Testament says the prophecies of the cross was that he would be marred more than any other man. Uh, and he wouldn't even look like a human being. And, and you think about all the hatred, because it wasn't just the, the leadership of the Jews that hated Jesus. It was all, you think about all, in the spirit realm, all those spirits have been thrown out of heaven. They're on the earth, right? Uh, and, and you think they like Jesus? They hate Jesus, because it was at his direction they got thrown out of heaven. Uh, and so now they've got an opportunity to, to just heap on Jesus all the pain and anguish they've suffered over the centuries, you know. 
Uh, and so they did. So when he went to the cross and he was beaten and he was marred and they put the uh, crown of thorns on him. That wasn't just the, the hatred of the people. That was the hatred of all the spirit beings that have hated Jesus since they left the glory uh, presence in heaven. Uh, and so they heaped all the hatred upon Jesus. And he still made it through on the cross. You know, they couldn't kill him. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, we're not going to go into it, but in John chapter 10, he says, I, I laid down my life by my own choice. So nobody killed him. When, he, when it was time to go, he turned the light off and he left. Uh, and he said, it's finished. And, it, and he, took, he took a sip after that. And it says uh, he, he gave up the ghost. So he chose to die on the cross at the time of his choosing. Nobody killed him. And so then he descended into uh, the place of the damned for three days. Amen. And that's a tough place to be. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, we're in chapter 5. If you go over to... Um, uh, Romans chapter uh, 6 here, um, it says in verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, also, uh, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And in chapter 8, uh, it says in verse 11, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So when Jesus was down in the place of the dam, now he, he didn't go because he had done anything wrong. The Bible says that, that he who knew no sin was made to be sin, right? So he took all the sins of the world upon him. Uh, the Lord intentionally, you remember on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was a prophecy from Psalm 22. And, and the Father God put all the sins of the world upon Jesus. Uh, and then turned his back on Jesus. And when he did that, the devil thought that the Jesus had committed a sin. Mm -hmm. So the devil took him in, into the place of the dam uh, there for three days and three nights. And it says the glory of God raised him from the dead. And we saw there in Romans chapter 8 that the glory of God is the same thing as the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit went down into the place of the dam and retrieved Jesus. And that, you know, I'm hoping that somebody had a cell phone there and recorded that because I want to see that event. I want to see when the glory of God walks into the place of the dam, turns the light. You ever turned on light on in a house that hadn't had a light on in a long time? You know, all the cockroaches scatter, right? Uh, you know, we, we were working on a house one day uh, and uh, it's kind of a renovation project and the kitchen had vinyl siding inside the kitchen, right? Which is not something you typically put inside of a vinyl uh, kitchen, right? Put outside vinyl siding inside the kitchen, right? And so we, we pulled off the, the, the vinyl siding and the whole wall started doing this right here. And, and it was thousands and thousands of cockroaches just, I mean, just everywhere, just falling on us, you know, and just, you know, my son-in-law had to leave the building and <laughs> I still give him a hard time about that. Uh, well, that's just like what happened when the Holy Spirit flipped on the light of, of, of hell that I'm here to get Jesus. And it's the, the glory of God. So, you know, he, you remember in the Old Testament when the glory would show up in the tabernacle and uh, people would just fall on their faces, you know, in the presence of the glory of God. Well, that's what the, the Holy Spirit did on our behalf uh, to raise Jesus from the dead. So, uh, and, then, and then, you know, you continue on the rest of the story with Jesus after the resurrection. But I wanted to look at a couple of reasons why uh, Jesus had to be raised from the dead. Really, there's three reasons that uh, uh, we want to talk about why was Jesus resurrected. Uh, and let's turn over to Philippians chapter 3. We'll look at uh, one of them here. Uh, 
In Philippians chapter 3, of course, this is Paul speaking to us, and he says in verse, uh, verse 10, he says, that I might know him. So he's talking about the Lord Jesus. He wants to know Jesus. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Uh, and so uh, Paul said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. That word power there is, we know there's a couple of words that are important in the, in the New Testament for the word power. One typically means authority and one means supernatural miracle work and power. This word power here means supernatural miracle work and power of God. And so Paul said, I want to know the supernatural miracle work and power of the resurrection. So one of the reasons why Jesus wanted to, to uh, be resurrected is to bring power back to the church. Uh, and, and, you know, of all the groups of people in the world, the church ought to be the most powerful people in the world. We carry the exact, the spirit of God lives on the inside of us. We carry with us the exact same power that created the universe. Every star in the sky, every blade of grass on the earth, was created by the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of us. So everywhere we go, we carry that power with us. And it's, he called it the, the power of resurrection, the supernatural power of God lives on the inside of me. So every, every store I go into, every restaurant I, I eat in, I carry that supernatural power with us. And yet, we, if you look at the church as a whole, we're some of the, the weakest, you know, bedraggled and downtrodden people in the earth. And yet we carry with us the most powerful uh, uh, supernatural miracle work and power of all the universe everywhere we go. We have the capacity and the privilege and the right to be powerful people. Amen. Uh, and and, and it's, it's not that we, we have to go get it. It's you have that potential in you right now. If you're a child of God, you've got that potential everywhere you go. Just like every plug in this building has got potential in it, right? Uh, but if there's nothing plugged into it, nothing will happen. It'll sit there, right? I mean, there's still uh, nuclear power coming from the north and nuclear power coming from the south here. Uh, and that, that uh, plug over there has got all the power of those nuclear power plants right now. And it may sit there unused all of its life. It may never get used, right? Uh, and so uh, that's kind of the way the church is. We have all the power in us right now, everywhere we go. And Jesus intentionally set it up the way he did to be resurrected with power by the glory of God, by the glory of the Holy Spirit. He was resurrected with that power to then deliver that power to the church so that so that Paul could say here that that I might know him and not just know him, but know also the power of his resurrection. So we have the ability as the church to know the power of the resurrection. Of course, we read uh, both Romans chapter eight and chapter uh, six there about how Jesus was raised from the dead by by the glory of God. Amen. Uh, and so I want to read a couple more, more verses here in Luke chapter twenty four. So the plan of, of the Lord Jesus, once the resurrection occurred, his plan was then, now I'm, I'm going to deliver power to the church. Now, I'm not going to deliver three points in a poem to the church. I'm not, I'm not going to go deliver, you know, nice pretty suits, nice pretty dresses to the church. I'm going to go deliver power to the church. That, that's my plan. I want to deliver this power that I got raised from the dead. I'm going to transfer this same power to the church. Amen. And you think about how many people have ever left hell? Zero. One, and, uh, before Jesus came, nobody had ever gone in and came back out. If you go in, you don't come back out. And, he, and after Jesus, anybody goes in, doesn't come back out. So only one person in all eternity has ever gone in and then came back out. Well, the only way you come back out is by the power of God. And so Jesus came. This is after, after the resurrection. 
And he's talking to the disciples in Luke chapter 24. And he says, And behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tear you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Well, what uh, word do you think that power is? It's dunamis, right? It's the same uh, supernatural miracle work and power. So I'm going to endue or to place upon you the supernatural miracle work and power from on high. Uh, that is our potential as a church today. That's the, the ability that we have. And I wanted to read that same verse in another translation. It says, And lo, I do send the promise of my Father upon you, but ye abide ye in the city of Jerusalem till ye be clothed with power from on high. So the King James says, endued with power. Uh, Young's translation says, clothed with power from on high. That's the, the plan that the head of the church has always had for us as the church is for us to be clothed with power ever that we go so that nothing can overtake us, nothing can, can defeat us, amen? And just, you know, my personal faith, I, you know, I just declare all the time that nothing can overcome me, nothing can defeat me. I cannot be defeated and I cannot be overcome. I just say that about myself all the time because I have that power inherent in me because of the resurrection that jesus was raised from the dead and now he's going to go make sure i've, I've been raised from the dead by the glory i want to give you that same glory i've been raised from the dead by the power of god i want to give you that same power of god and that was the plan uh, of the church the whole the whole time and then he repeats himself uh, we uh, were there in luke chapter 24 if we just go back over to uh, to acts chapter one and of course i think we know uh, most of these verses but in the context of, of how we got here, I think it's, it's pretty helpful to see what Jesus did. So here in Acts chapter 1, this again is just before Jesus went back up to heaven, right? He'd been on the earth after the resurrection for 40 days. He preached, Paul said, up to 500 people. Uh, and so he appeared to 500 people. How many people showed up at the, at the um, upper room at the day of Pentecost? 120, right? Even Jesus can't get people to go to church, right? I mean, he talked to 500, hey, you come to church, you know, 500 people, go to Jerusalem. Uh, and and three-fourths of them said, you know, I'm busy, I got lunch, you know, I got a new dog, a new cat, I got some cow I got to take care of, you know, the fence on the lower 40s down, you know, and, you know, I got, I got, uh, I got an oxen ditch over here, you know. Uh, how, many, how many excuses have we ever heard, right? Uh, we've heard a lot of excuses. Uh, and so, uh, so even Jesus, so I don't feel bad, right? Even Jesus uh, couldn't get people to go to where he told them to go to, right? Uh, and so... But here he is. This is the very last thing that he's telling him just before he goes to heaven. Uh, and so he says, uh, he's telling a church, uh, you know, they were asking him a bunch of questions, you know, about, hey, are you going to come and restore this natural kingdom? And of course, they, they still didn't get it really until, until Paul came along and started explaining to this uh, what was really going on. The, the church and even the, the nation of Israel was looking for a natural king. They were looking for somebody to come and defeat the Romans and take back their land and now, that was never the plan. He, Jesus had a lot bigger picture than just taking back a little chunk of land on the, on the, uh, uh, on the east side of the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, and so Jesus said here in uh, Acts 1.8, he said, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So the plan of the Lord Jesus, now that I'm resurrected, now, the Holy Spirit with power, what, what uh, you reckon that word power there is? It's the same power, right? Supernatural miracle working power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, or like Luke said, after you are clothed upon with the Holy Spirit. So that's the, that's the plan and the desire for the head of the church that we as the church live clothed with power. 
And he was raised from the dead and resurrected, not just raised from the dead like Lazarus, but resurrected with power so that he could take that same power and deliver it to the church. That's the plan that the Lord has for all of us today, right now. That's his desire that we live that way. And so, uh, I, you know, no doubt we are far from that in the church, amen, as a whole. Uh, I know you get pockets and times and seasons where there are great moves of God. Uh, but it's, a lot of times it's around an individual or a person. But the Lord wants the whole church to be this way. Not one person, not just one minister, not one group of people, but the entire church. It was always the plan of God that the, the entire church be filled with power. In fact, you know, of course, around here, we understand uh, some of these things because we preach about them quite a bit. Uh, was, it, was it always the plan of God that there be a Pentecostal church and everybody else? No, it was always the plan of God that everybody was the Pentecostal church, right? That there wasn't, you know, even if there was Methodists and Baptists and Catholics or whatever, it was always the plan of God that every single Christian uh, be filled with the Spirit of God and speak with other tongues. That was what the head of the church said. That's what he wanted the whole time for, for it to be because that's where the power comes from, the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, you know, that makes uh, uh, intelligent people uncomfortable sometimes. You know, make, it makes educated people uncomfortable sometimes. It makes regular people uncomfortable sometimes, right? But if you understand that the purpose of that is power, it, it really makes you not quite so uncomfortable, amen, that he wants power uh, to be in our lives, amen? Uh, and so uh, then let, let's turn over to... Uh, uh, let's turn over to First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 15. And so so the, the first reason that the Lord Jesus wanted to be resurrected is to deliver power uh, to the church. Uh, and, um, you know, maybe we've done that a little bit. I think there's more room that we've we've got. Uh, we can uh, work with some more of that power. Amen. Uh, and then we get to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 15. And of course, there's a lot of information here. We don't have time to go into all of these details because there's a lot, a lot of good information here. Uh, but if you go back and think about, uh, if you think about the creation of time, you think about when God created Adam, uh, and then it would talk about how Adam would come and visit, or how God would come and visit Adam in the cool of the day. Uh, and that didn't seem to be unusual. Uh, you know, if, if the Lord God came and appeared to you today, would you consider that to be unusual? Would, uh, would you probably like, uh, raise your hand, write the book, you know, get in all the circuits and start telling everybody God appeared to me, you know, and, and uh, you know, we would all do that, right? We'd, we'd somehow get on the Internet and, and uh, tell everybody God appeared to me and uh, and uh, sell lots of books and tapes. And, uh, you know, we somehow would would merchandise that. Uh, but for Adam, was it unusual for the Lord to appear to him and speak to him? Did he come to Adam in the cool of the day? Right. Uh, and, and if you think about when God created uh, this this world, you know, we we say that we live in the natural world, and where does God live? In the spirit world, right? Uh, and and our and our natural thinking, we think that this natural world is here, and that spirit world is so far away. But that wasn't the way that God created things. If God created the spirit realm and He created the natural realm, He never intended it to be so so far apart. Uh, when Adam was there, it was just as natural for Adam to see the Lord as it was for him to see a dog or a cat. You know, it, it, uh, when a serpent spoke to Eve, you know, uh, I mean, if a serpent spoke, spoke to you, you wouldn't be like, oh, well, you know, how you doing? You'd be like, wait, 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 wait. 
Let, let's back up. You're talking, right? You're, let, let's back up to the fact that you're talking to me. Let's not have the discussion about what you're saying. Let's, let's talk about the fact that you're talking to me. You know, you'd be a lot more uh, uh, amazed at the fact that the snake was talking to you than the fa- of what the snake was saying, right? Now, Eve was like, well, you know, God didn't really say that. You know, he said this. And, and, and so they had a conversation and nobody was, you know, we'd all be raising our hand like, you're talking to a snake here, right? You're talking to the serpent. Uh, can we back up and talk about that? Uh, it was kind of a normal. It wasn't really a big thing for, for there to be a distinction between the natural world and the spirit world. Uh, and that's, the, that's the, kind of the next reason why the Lord Jesus wanted to be resurrected is to start bringing those two realms back together. God created both realms. He never intended to be such a, a big gulf between the natural world and the spirit world. Amen. And what you'll find is the closer you walk with the Lord, you remember uh, the, the story of Enoch, right? E- Enoch was several generations after Adam, but Enoch really loved the Lord. And of course, back then, people could live nearly a thousand years. You know, most of the saints of old in the, up to about Noah, where they were living hundreds of years, right? Uh, you know, Methuselah was the longest lived person and, and he was alive uh, just before the flood and he lived 969 years. You think about how much you could learn in 969 years, right? Uh, Chris has been taking, a, uh, she's getting ready to take some, some exam and she's kind of hoping she can live to be 969 years because there's a lot of studying she's got to do on the exam. Uh, and uh, you think about how, if you really were dedicated to the get to know the Lord, how you could get to know the Lord in hundreds of years, right? After hundreds of years, how much you would know. Uh, and, and so Enoch had got to know the, know, know the Lord so well, this is that Enoch walked with God and he was not. Uh, and I really believe uh, my opinion is that he got so close with the Lord, having walked for hundreds of years with the Lord, that he kind of just slipped right into the spirit realm and just never came back. Uh, and so it never says that he died. Right. In fact, there's only two people in the Bible that never actually died a physical death. Enoch was one of them. Did we know who the other one was? Elijah. It was Elijah. Right. Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind. Right. So so uh, there's only two people that have never died physically on the earth. Even Jesus died physically on the earth. Right. So, so there was never intended to be a, a great distinction between the spirit realm and the natural realm. <clears throat> and so uh, there's a lot of information here. We don't have time to go into all of these uh, verses here. Uh, I just want to read uh, just a couple of uh, verses here in 1 Corinthians, and then we'll look at uh, maybe another couple out of, out of the, uh, the Gospels after, after the resurrection of Lord Jesus. So here we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says in verse 42, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. So one of the things that happens when we get uh, when we get resurrected, because we're not resurrected right now, right? Even if we died and we're raised from the dead uh, from sickness, we, we are not resurrected. We're just raised from the dead. He said uh, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power, supernatural miracle work and power. He said it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. So uh, some point in time uh, when Jesus, he was raised from dead to show us that this is what the plan of the resurrection was, that we would get a new body. We would get a whole brand new uh, set up here. And uh, let's all wave to oh, this is this page. I thought it was a customer because uh, we get customers come in here all the time looking for drinks. Right. Uh, and so uh, so uh, at some point in time, we will get a resurrected body. Right. Uh, that is no longer subject to death. So the bodies that we have right now, doesn't matter what you do, you know, it doesn't matter if you drink all of these drinks right here, right? All these nutrition drinks, right? I mean, we've got Beauty, the Beast, Dolly, Jolene, Wonder Woman. I mean, 
We could drink all of those things, right, and get all the boosts, right? We got boost for what? Uh, immunity boost and collagen boost and protein boost. We got, you know, all that stuff. You drink all that stuff right there, right? Uh, you're still not going to live forever, right? You're still, you're not going to live uh, past the standard age. Uh, that Even if you live to fullest age, the Lord said, you're still not going to live forever. But someday we'll get, we'll get a glorified body like Jesus got when he got raised from the dead and was resurrected. And it's a body, the Bible calls it a spiritual body that is no longer subject to death. And so it's not just a natural body, but if we go back to, um, uh, let's go back to the book of Luke. We, uh, we're running a little low on time here, so uh, we'll just have to skip a few of the, we got uh, pages and pages of notes here. So uh, normally, you know, we would take a topic like this and we study for six months or so. But we're here today, right? So we've got to get it all in today. So if, uh, we're not planning on going anywhere until till 6 o'clock tonight, right? Uh, so uh, he said here in Luke chapter 24, we had mentioned 24 earlier, but here we are. Uh, he said in verse 36, And as they spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith of them, Peace be unto you. So there's a lot of things. When Jesus uh, was resurrected, uh, that spiritual body that he received then, um, and, and it's even a slightly different than what, what we'll have, but we'll talk about that maybe, maybe later on. Uh, but he would just appear, right? He could be somewhere and he could just be somewhere else, uh, even though he has a, uh, but it's still a physical body because we'll continue reading here. And he says, uh, but they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they'd seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why, why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and feet. So when you, when you move from this realm into the spirit realm, are you just a blob of energy? No, you have hands and feet, right? You're just a regular, you look like a regular person. That, is, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. And so it's a physical body, but it's a resurrected physical body. So it has the capacity to do things that our natural bodies that we live in today can't do. It moves from the spirit realm. Remember, Jesus was raised from the dead. And then where did he go after Acts 1-8? Said he was taken up into heaven with that same body. So that body that Jesus has can move from the spirit realm to the natural realm, just like it's normal. Just like you're going from this room. We're here in, in this main room here. We could go back in the kitchen back there. We just go from one room to the next. Just natural, right? We don't, we don't, oh, what do we do? Should we pray about it? We just go in the other room, right? We just move from one room to the other room. Uh, and moving from the natural realm to the spirit realm it should be, uh, we can't do that today, right? And we're not making any weird doctrine for today that we're going to float into the spirit realm. We don't have the capacity to do that, right? So we're not making any weird doctrine. We're just talking about what Jesus wants to do. Uh, and he showed us that this is what he wants to do by being uh, resurrected, not just raised from the dead, but being resurrected. And now his body can, can move from the spirit realm to the natural realm because that was really the whole plan that he intended with Adam, that Adam can move from the natural realm to the spirit realm uh, just as comfortably as uh, uh, as we move from one room in our house to another room. Amen. Uh, and so uh, and, and, you know, there were other times. Remember, Jesus ate with the, the disciples after the resurrection. Right. So the spirit body, even though he has a spirit body uh, that can go to heaven, but it can also eat. Amen. Uh, and so uh, but it is no longer subject to death. The, uh, we don't we won't go back to first Corinthians, but uh, in first Corinthians, and second Corinthians, it talks about that we put off immortality. So we put off immortality and we gain, uh, or we put off mortality and we gain immortality. Immortality means a body that's subject to death. Uh, right now, uh, and that's part of the resurrection, and we'll get in, in the, next, the next reason for the resurrection, 
But right now, everybody in this room is subject to death, right? Nothing you can do about it. Uh, it will come to an end. Uh, if, if the Lord tarries, all of us will go back to the grave, right? Uh, and that's, a, that's an unfortunate part of life. You know, we say there are some things that, are, that, uh, that you can't get away from in this life, uh, death and taxes. Uh, and, and some people try to, apparently, you know, uh, according to some people that just got arrested recently, they try to get around the tax part too, right? Uh, but you can't, you, you might be able to cheat the tax, uh, the tax people for a while, but you can't cheat death forever, right? It will come and find you. Uh, but it was never the plan of God for death to be in the earth. And again, we could spend a lot of time just going through all of the understanding of that as well, right? Uh, and so let's turn over to uh, First, uh, First Thessalonians uh, chapter 4. You know, a lot of these verses, even we read um, at funerals, right? Well, this is not a funeral, so we're not going to be somber here. We're going to be happy and full of joy. Uh, but um, uh, a lot of these, we, and we do that to give some folks hope, right? Uh, but here we are in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, I'm just going to start reading in, um, uh, in verse 15. It says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep, or not go before them which are asleep. For the Lord shall come, uh, the, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So this is talking about the second coming of the Lord Jesus, right? Uh, this is talking about when he comes back for the church. Uh, and so when is he coming back? Does anybody know? Nobody knows, right? Uh, anybody remember the book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988? Uh, he's, I mean, he's probably sold, I bet he sold hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of the book, right? Uh, did Jesus come back in 1988? No. no. So what book did he write the next year? 89, 89 Reasons Why Jesus Come Back in 1989. He really wrote that book, right? Probably didn't sell as many copies, you know, is my guess. But um, uh, so if anybody tells you, I know exactly when Jesus is coming back, uh, just uh, uh, don't buy it. Right. And they, they don't know. We don't know. In, in fact, even the Lord Jesus himself says, I don't even know. Only the father knows. Right. So if you ask Jesus, hey, when are you coming back? I don't know. Uh, and so but uh, he is coming back. Amen. And, and, you know, people say, well, I don't believe he's coming back. Doesn't really matter. He's still coming back. Well, I don't think he's coming back. Doesn't matter. He's still coming back. Right. Well, I don't want him to come back. Doesn't matter. He's still coming back. Amen. Uh, and so he said he shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel. You just think about it. When Jesus gets ready to come back and gather his church, right? Because at the end of time, he's going to come back and gather his church and remove us from the earth. Then the earth will suffer seven years of tribulation. Uh, and then uh, then we'll go into um, uh, the millennial reign of Christ and then. Uh, uh, at, at the beginning, at the end of tribulation, he's going to lock up the devil for a thousand years and there'll be a, a thousand years of Jesus on the earth. And then at the end of all of that, then, then uh, there'll be some other events and, and everything will be finished up then. So we've, we're at least a thousand years away from everything being finished up. Uh, but he's going to come back and he's going to come back and get the church. And this is how he's going to do it. He's going to come and he's going to descend from heaven with a shout. You know, that'd be a great shout right there, right? When he comes back on the earth. Uh, and, and it says, with the voice of the archangel. So there's going to be some angel. It may be David. It might be Gabriel. But it's going to be some angel declaring, behold, the Lamb of God. He's going to, and the whole earth will hear it, right? And the whole earth will see it. And then there'll be a trumpets, right, sounding. Uh, and uh, I think that's why Chris likes to play uh, saxophone, right? It's, it's a horn, so she likes the horn players. Uh, and, and it's going to be a big deal when he comes back, right? It's going to be a big deal. 
Uh, and he says, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Uh, so all the people that have gone before us that are Christians, right? They're in a grave right now. We're going to be here. And Jesus declares, I'm coming back. And he said, now, all you that are alive right now, you got to wait. We're going to get that guy over there. And all those graves are going to open up. Uh, and he's going to get those first, right? And so when they open up, then their spirits are going to come join back with their bodies. They're going to get glorified bodies and be, have resurrected bodies. Uh, and that's how it's going to happen. And all of us that are here, uh, Paul said that those of us uh, in verse uh, 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So we that are going to be here, if we happen to be here when Jesus comes back, if we happen to come back at this, if we happen to be here when he comes back, our bodies will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, other verses talk about, and we will all get glorified bodies, no longer subject to death, no longer subject to sickness and disease. Uh, it'll be wonderful, a body that can, that is, it's called a spiritual body that can move and uh, go from the realm of the natural to the realm of the supernatural, just as normal as anything else is. And, and that's the plan that, that, uh, that Jesus has for us, right? Uh, and so uh, he wants to, to bring all of us back together. So we don't have that yet, right? We don't have a glorified body. Uh, <clears throat> that's future. Uh, amen. But it's something that we can hope for. And, that's, uh, and that really brings us to the last uh, reason of why Jesus uh, was resurrected. Let's turn back to Acts chapter 24. Uh, and so... Uh, Let's see where we're at here, Acts chapter 24. So uh, he wanted to give us power. Uh, he wanted to remove the distinction between the natural and the supernatural. Uh, and then here in Acts chapter 24, uh, he says, Paul is preaching here. He's preaching to the king here. And he says, uh, <clears throat> well, we could, we could start to a lot of different places here. Uh, let's start in verse 14. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall also be, uh, there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. And so uh, part of why Jesus wanted to come back and do everything he did with the resurrection is to show us what's going to happen and then to give us hope. Right. So so a big part of where we are right now in our lives is we have the hope of the resurrection. Uh, and that hope should help us a lot because sometimes life gets old, doesn't it? Right. Sometimes life gets uh, like drudgery. And uh, is this ever going to come to an end? And are we ever going to get anything better? And, and we have to have that hope on the inside of us. And Paul said that the, that uh, that there is a hope of that salvation. Uh, he said uh, that uh, uh, he believing all things which are uh, written in the law and the prophets and have hope towards God. So, uh, and I think we're, we don't have time to go over into the, in the book of Revelation there. Uh, there's a lot of things about the book of Revelation uh, that he talks about what's going to happen. And you, if you want more details, go read uh, chapter 20 in the book of Revelation and talks about the, the throne of God, right? That uh, someday that uh, uh, we'll be resurrected. And that's what's going to happen when we get resurrected. Then we stand before the Lord Jesus and and uh, even the church will have to stand before the Lord Jesus and give an answer for all the things we've done. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, that's probably going to be mostly a joyous time, but probably sometimes of some discomfort. Right. <laughs> and he says, hey, what about that thing you did over there? Because he says he's going to talk about about the deeds done in your body, both what? Good and bad. Right. And so um, 
Uh, I'm hoping that, that these are not public events, right? That these are private events between us and the Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, and so I'd rather not all the thing, things I've done uh, be displayed publicly, right? Uh, but then uh, I wanted to read First uh, John or First Peter chapter one, uh, and I think we're about done. We may have a bonus. There's a, a bonus reason uh, of why Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, it's, it's not a, a big part of redemption, but uh, it is a part. Amen. And so in First Peter chapter one, uh, it says uh, in verse three, he said, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy." hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So uh, one of the big reasons for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus is to give us a lively hope. And I'm going to read this in a few different translations because it brings out some more insight about what, he's ta- what does it mean to have a lively hope. Uh, one translation says uh, that we have been born again into a life full of hope. Uh, well, shouldn't we have a life full of hope? How many Christians do you, do you know that has no hope in their life? Uh, well, you know, you talk to them, and, oh, it's just so hard, and it's just every day is a struggle, and never, not, don't know if I'm going to make it or not. And it seems like they have no hope, and yet uh, the Bible says that Jesus was literally resurrected so that we could have a life full of hope, amen? Uh, and so he said uh, in one translation, in his great mercy he hath given us new life, healing, rec- uh, rec- uh, recreation, and the cure for our terminal condition through Jesus Christ's victorious resurrection from the dead. Uh, one translation says that we are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope. Uh, and then finally, one, one translation says that who, according to his abundant mercy, refathered us in living hope by Jesus Christ having uh, risen from the dead. So uh, where, where the church should live right now is we should live in a life full of hope. Right. Every day should be a life full of hope. It shouldn't be a life full of full of concern and worry and anguish. And uh, and yet we do that. We do those things, don't we? Right. But we should be able to get up every day because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and have a life full of hope that it's going to be OK. The Lord's going to come through. He's going to take care of us. Amen. That we're going to be fine. Uh, and, and that's the way we should live. Amen. We should live a life full of power. We should live a life uh, looking forward to the day that uh, this old body is, uh, this old natural body is transformed into a life, into a body that's spiritual. And then between now and then, we live every day full of hope. Uh, and, and that's really, and of course, uh, you know, all of those reasons are why Jesus came. Uh, and then you want a bonus reason, just real quick? Uh, we're there in First John. Turn over to, uh, um, to the book of Jude just before Hebrews. And we'll read, we'll read a, a bonus reason why Jesus was raised from the dead. Um, so I got 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, uh, finally, or Judas before uh, Revelation there. And, yeah, we're going to go the other direction. All right, here we are. So in the book of Jude, he says here in verse uh, 9, uh, it says, Yet Michael the archangel, so remember we said that the archangel will come with a trump uh, and, uh, and declare the return of the Lord Jesus. So it could be Michael. He's the only named archangel that we know of. Uh, so it could very well be him, but it could be somebody else, right? Uh, but Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Uh, and he goes on to talk about other things. So uh, we're not going to go into a lot of details about that. But when Moses died, for some reason, the devil wanted his body. Uh, and uh, when Jesus died, uh, you remember anybody remember the old stories of like the, especially the Roman Catholic Church where they would sell uh, relics? 
And the relics would be like, I've got the finger of an apostle, right? Uh, and it would be worth lots of money. Nowadays, it's like, you know, it's all a scam, right? So don't go buy fingers of any apostles that they're not real. Uh, but it was a big deal, right? Uh, and they thought it had spiritual, supernatural, you know, powers to it. And it really didn't. It was probably not even a real finger, right? It could have been a toe from a, from a sloth or something. We don't know. Uh, but it sure wasn't a finger from an apostle. Uh, but uh, one reason, one minor reason why Jesus came back, got his own body, so nobody could worship it, right? Because you think about how, I mean, you think about what somebody would do if they could really prove they had the body of Jesus. I mean, they could they'd worship it. You remember back in the Old Testament when they had the, uh, remember the serpent that was put on a pole right there in the book of Numbers? Remember hundreds of years later, I think it was King Hezekiah, they found it. And you know what the first thing they started doing with the, with the serpent they found on a pole? Started worshiping it. Uh, you know why? Because we're stupid people, right? We just, we just, we'll just worship anything, right? It's like, well, worship, worship the God who told them to make the serpent. Now we, we want to worship the serpent, right? Uh, and so, so a minor reason why Jesus came back uh, was to make sure nobody's going to worship his physical body. Uh, but the main reasons why, the first one was uh, that we would have power. The second one went to remove the, the distinction between the natural and the spiritual world. And really the third one and, and, and biggest one, the most impact for our day-to-day lives uh, is that we would live in hope. Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you uh, for the resurrection of Lord Jesus. And, Father, we thank you that we can have hope. Father, a confident expectation that you're with us, uh, a confident knowing, Father, in our hearts that we have the power to overcome in every situation. And, Father, the hope that someday... Uh, we will leave this natural life and this natural body subject to death and subject to aches and pains. Uh, Father, subject to sickness and disease. And Father, we will receive a glorified body, a spiritual body, Father, that can move uh, between the realms of the spirit realm, the natural realm, a body, Father, that's no longer subject to death or sickness and disease. Father, we thank you for that hope. But you didn't leave us just in hope for the future, Father. We thank you that you did leave us with the power for today that we can live as Christians full of power, supernatural miracle work and power to overcome, Father, and to succeed and to advance the kingdom of heaven. Father, we are not powerless people on this earth. We're not people who are just victims of, of the natural life that we live on this earth. Father, we are overcomers. We are, we are children of the Most High God, and we cannot be defeated and we cannot be overcome. Father, if your resurrection power lives on the inside of us, then we have complete ability to be victorious in all that we do and everywhere that we go, Father. And Lord, we thank you to, that you've reminded us every year, Father, about this great resurrection. That it's such an honor to remember what you've done for us. And Father, we don't take it lightly. And Father, just real quick with our heads bowed and eyes closed, let's just all thank the Lord for, for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and what he's done for us and the plan that he's given to us. Uh, and we just want to be appreciative of the things that he's done for us. And so, Father, just just within your own heart, just uh, just your own self, just thank the Lord for his resurrection. So, Father, we thank you for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, that you did come to the earth. You did live, Father, uh, a period of time on the earth. You did go to the cross. You did die, Father. And you spent three days in agony and anguish, Father, in, in the region of the dam. And then you were re- resurrected from the dead by the glory of God. Father, we thank you for that. And you left us such a legacy of power, such a legacy of hope. Father, we choose to believe in you. We choose to believe in your power. We choose to believe in our eternal destiny is with you, Father, by the resurrection. And so, Father, we thank you for that. 
We never want to be people who take it for granted and never appreciate what you've really done for us. And so, Father, we thank you. And we give you all the glory and the praise for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, he is good. We appreciate his goodness and kindness. And, and um, in fact, I was going back uh, and uh, I was looking at some notes uh, about the, what happened from the cross to the throne. I started those notes, I guess, probably more than 20 years ago. Uh, and I was reading them last night. I, I got to add some more to the notes. I got to add some more to my notes. So uh, maybe one of these Easter's we'll go back and, and uh, we've taught it before at, at Easter. But it's really a good message about all the things that had to take place from the time that Jesus went to the cross to the time he sat back down at the right hand of the Father. Uh, but the, the greatest event of all of those in that time period was the resurrection. Amen. Uh, and so praise God. Um, well, let's see. Uh, we'll, let's get ready to receive an offering. And then we're going to, um, uh, I guess let's do the Easter egg hunt first so that we don't run into any weather. I don't think we're going to run into any weather, but I think it's supposed to rain around two o'clock. So we'll do that first and then we'll come back. Uh, um, well, I don't know. Once the kids get candy, there'll be, there'll be no stopping them after that, right? So maybe we should break the church down first, and then we'll do the Easter egg hunt, right? That's, that's probably more wise, right? Because the kids want to, you know, that we'll lose them, right? Uh, and so let's, uh, uh, let's pray, and we'll thank the Lord for the offering, and then, then we'll, we'll get ready to break the church down. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give into your kingdom. It's an honor, Father, to give of the fruit that you've provided for our lives. Uh, you've been kind to us and good to us, Father, to give us good jobs. Uh, and so, Lord, we thank you for that. And it's a small thing for us to give of that increase in our lives back to you. And, Lord, we thank you that according to your word, you said that, but my God shall supply all of my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We thank you for that promise, and we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, come ahead, Mr. Jared. Yeah, I don't think we should wait, right? If we, if we, uh, <laughs> if we, if we uh, release the children on the candy, that's the last time we'll see them, right? So, uh, you know, it doesn't take a minute to break everything down, right? So, uh, and then if you guys want to, at some point, we can go up and see, you can see the church and the progress that's being made up there. So, um, so we'll go ahead and uh, break the chairs down. And that's really all we got to do is break the chairs down and, and then move a couple things in the back room there. And then, uh, uh, I see, I think all the eggs are over there, right? So we're going to go in this, this green lot behind us, not where we normally have it, because that's a pond. So, I, I mean, if you kids, mind if your kids get soaking wet, you know, we put them over in the pond, right? Uh, but um, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, but um, uh, we'll go in this empty lot out here and, and uh, hide it. You know, don't make it impossible for them to find it uh, and kind of stay on this end of it. There's some scary stuff at that end over there. So uh, we'll go hide those eggs over there and then we'll release the children, right? That's always fun to see them get so excited right uh, and we'll have to keep an eye on a couple of adults i'll give you some names in a minute so they don't sneak over there so all right praise god well let's break all the chairs down and, and then we'll um get ready to hunt some eggs <laughs> 